I'm Michael Bungay-Stenya. This is Two Pages with MBS, the podcast where brilliant people read the best two pages from a favorite book, a book that has moved them and a book that has shaped them. And of course, this is a variation on the usual interviews I have because now it's I'm the brilliant person and I'm reading it from my own book <laughs> because I want you to know about my new book, How to Begin. So the twist is this. I've been inviting four or five really important people in my life to come on and talk to me about the book. They've read the book. They've chosen a chapter for us to talk about. And I'm very excited to talk to Ainsley Britton. So Ainsley is my co-conspirator at MBS.Works. She is the other half of the company. And we've got, we've got other people who support us, but Ainsley and I are the ones who work full-time and full-hearted and full-souled and full-brained on this project, MBS.Works. So she has influenced the book. She runs parts of the, the business, particularly the conspiracy, which is where people go to work on their worthy goals. Um, and she's a just a lovely person and a friend and a colleague. So Ainsley, welcome. Thanks, Michael. That was <laughs> such a nice intro. <laughs> well, how, how would you introduce yourself? I mean, what's your story? How the hell did you end up working here with me? <laughs> yeah, um, I would. Yeah, I love the term co-conspirator. I feel like I feel like your your lab assistant or your lab <laughs> partner a lot of the time. Um, yeah, running, that's a good way of putting it. Running our various experiments, hoping to move from experiments into more practice mm -hmm. <laughs> with the company. Um, yeah, I've been working with you for two years, um, almost to the nose, mm -hmm. and had a really different background before that, um, working in the nonprofit world, the anti-violence world. Um, but yeah, this has been such a refreshing adventure, um, working <laughs> together. And um, yeah, we get to build a lot of things I get to learn a lot and in some ways this book feels like it really captures a lot of what we've been learning together and you've been teaching me over the last couple of years it's really whenever I read it it just kind of reinforces so much of what we've done and what we've talked about and what I've learned from you so um yeah I love this book oh thank you <laughs> um if I this will this will be awkward for you but I'm going to ask it anyway <laughs> What's your what's your superpower? Do you think? Oh man, <laughs> um, I think commitment and care. Mm. I would say that I'm I'm a highly sensitive person. I'm really attuned to other people and what's going on for them and what what might be working or not working. And I care deeply about helping folks figure that out. And I'm really committed to seeing things through from beginning to end or ending things well or um yeah so those that's great those are exactly. some of my many superpowers <laughs> well said <laughs> so you've chosen a brilliant chapter which is um the the first chapter of the third part there are three parts in the book nine chapters in all each part is three chapters so in this chapter we talk about crossing the threshold and the three ways to making progress and, um, you know, one of the things that I was aware of when I um, wrote this book, which is like, I can't tell you how to get to the end. I'm just trying to get you across the start. I want to get you moving, taking some initial steps, because after that, the journey starts to unfold. And that's what I really wanted to, to share in this first chapter. So I, I'm excited that you picked it. So I'm going to launch right into this. 
I'm not going to start at the very top of the chapter, which is a little bit of a story about me working in the world of product development and trying to invent an alternative to Sarah Lee's double chocolate layer cake, which was the dessert of the moment and the 90s in England. An impossible uh, task. <laughs> it is, well, actually, it was an impossible task. Um, but we're going to jump into just a, a couple of pages in at a section with a subheading that starts, Curiosity Fuels Courage. With small steps, you're doing two things. First, fueled by curiosity, you're collecting feedback. It's the only way you can make your way forward in a complex situation. Keep checking where you are, try some things out, collect feedback, and decide what's next. Second, you're mitigating risk so you don't end up jumping off a cliff or running into one or more of the three terrors of the fire swamp, thus prematurely ending your quest. And you know, as an aside, I hope the astute listener is picking up the shout out to the Princess Bride flame spurts, lightning sand, and rodents of unusual size. If you haven't yet watched The Princess Bride, stop this podcast immediately and go and watch The Princess Bride. That's the key takeaway from this book for you. But I digress. Here we go. Jim Collins of Good to Great Fame explains the process of figuring out strategy thus. Fire bullets, then fire cannonballs. Even if you're not a fan of military metaphors, this is helpful. Collins explains that bullets are cheap and low risk. Firing them is a manageable commitment, one that helps you figure out the real target. Once you've identified the target, then you can fully commit and fire the cannonball. Collins says that most people don't fire enough bullets and fire their cannonballs way too soon. Or they spend their life firing bullets without ever having the courage to load up the cannonball. Three ways to fire bullets and take small steps are a history, an experiment, and a practice. I'm just going to read the first little bit of the piece around um, small steps and thinking about a history. And the subtitle is A Past Future Version of You, which is <laughs> a mind twist. Um, so if you didn't understand it, don't worry, you're not alone. A Past Future Version of You. You've already visited the past once, and I'm referencing to an earlier chapter in the, in the book. When you weighed up the status quo, you noted down false starts made by similar or related worthy goals. But your false starts aren't the whole story, not by any means. You've also got stories about successes, peak moments where a best version of you rose to the occasion in just the way you're hoping it will again. William Gibson said, the future is already here, it's just not evenly distributed. That's true on an individual level as well. In other words, and this sounds like a trippy back to the future Michael J. Fox thing, you 2.0 has already shown up sometime in your past. Search your story bank, chronicle your history, and find those peak moment stories, moments where you were at your best. They're there. You have a you 2.0 waiting to be rediscovered, recognized, and reintegrated. That's not the only benefit. Excavating your history isn't only about catching that glimpse of you 2.0, as powerful as that is. It's also a way of better quantifying the risks you articulated in the punishments process in Way Up the Journey, which is the previous chapter. It tempers our very human tendency to over or underestimate risk by holding it up against our lived experience. You calibrate your understanding of the real risk at play. When you did that similar thing before, did the bad thing happen in whole 
or in part. And of course, I go on here, but that is our two pages. So I hope if you're listening, you're like, this sounds so good. I definitely, definitely need to buy this book for myself and about 35 of my friends. That's the that's the subtle subtext in this whole conversation. But let's get to the actually interesting part of the conversation, which is, Ainsley, what what strikes a chord for you when you hear these these two pages? I love these two pages and I love this chapter because they're all about accessible ways to gather data Mm. that you kind of, you already have a bunch of information that you need to start taking something on. Mm. Um, And that there's lots of simple ways to gather more data, to get more feedback, to get that little bit more extra information that might help you kind of commit to something and and take a first step. Um, So when I'm kind of taking things on, and this is stuff that we've talked about the the nonviolent communication stuff around feelings and judgments, mm-hmm. I can get really bogged down around my feelings or judgments about a project, positive yeah. or negative, um, or just overwhelmed by all the steps. Um, <laughs> so many steps. <laughs> so many steps. So many, so many possible bullets. So many yes. possible cannonballs. Yeah, we have a lot um, going on here. <laughs> yeah. And this is just data is so grounding. And the Mm. idea that like with history, like you, you already have some of the information you need to make a decision about what to do next. Like you can just by sitting and writing and thinking about your own past experiences, you don't have to Google anything. You don't have to run any experiments like right here, right now, you already have a bunch of what you need from your own history to, um, kind of get some information about how you've how you've done on similar projects in the past and how um risk or fears of yours have or haven't played out um and then if that once you've done that once you've taken that history like what you talk about next in this chapter is the experiments that you Mm -hmm. can run to kind of gather bits more of information and you have so many ways that you make it so accessible um and that you kind of, you're like, these are some of the ways that experiments can go wrong. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you can make it too complicated. You can make yeah. it too big. You can be too attached to the outcome. So right. you just, there's all these ways that you set the reader up for success, you know, by yeah. giving them really simple, accessible tools, by anticipating some of the ways they may misuse those tools or, you know, undermine their own kind of experiment mm-hmm. from the get-go. Um, so yeah, this chapter is so useful for overwhelm and for getting across that starting line, you know, because, because there are, um, and all the things that you offer, they're, they're accessible in the sense that they're kind of simple and doable and they all kind of mitigate risk. Mm. Cause I think that's one of the things that we get so nervous about is like, totally. Uh, what am I going to lose? What's at stake here? And you're yeah. like, these are all these ways that we can make very little at stake. You know, mm-hmm. we can minimize what's at stake and increase the value of the information you're going to get. And just and, even better see what's at stake because so often yeah, you make stuff yeah. up, it becomes this amorphous, huge, looming thing. Yeah. And you're like, it might not be all of that. <laughs> so that's just made up BS. And it may be a way of shaping up. So there is stuff at risk, but it's, containable and understandable and you understand the equation that you're entering into totally which is yeah 
Oh, and and the I love the positive feedback loop theme in this chapter too. Right. You know, like the the curiosity or the the experiments or the it's small like, steps kind of give you information which fuels the reorient. Yeah. 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 Angie, let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. I think you're speaking to a very deep theme here. How have you better come to learn to trust yourself in the last little while? (laughs) Um, I think grounding myself in the facts and Mm. like, what do I know to be true? What do I not know to be true? Um, Doing that reflection with another person with you is really helpful because I can easily forget the strengths in my history or the wins that I've had or the things that we figured out or the things that went unexpectedly well, I feel like are just the way we're wired. You know, our (laughs) brains are are looking for danger. They're looking for risk. They're trying to keep us alive. Um, And so you have to be really intentional about turning your awareness and perception and focus to the things that have worked. and and because you need both you need both to kind of minimize the risk and minimize the danger but also like help yourself see the wins and see the possibilities and see the successes it's not enough to just reduce all the risk and eliminate all the danger you know like you also kind of need to see the paths to to growth and to success i love that i think there's something wise about just going, look, part of what this is about is increasing your capacity to understand how much you can risk and still be okay. Mm-hmm. Totally. It is like for lots of folks, I think this book will be, and this practice of working in this way is rewiring, you know, mm-hmm. it is, it is rewiring um, in terms of changing our relationship to, to risk and failure and trying yeah, I love the, like, it, it does, in letting go of the outcome, it actually set, in some ways, it sets you up for the best possible outcome, you know? Like, that's I love right. that line of you. That's, I'm paradox. quoting you, so. But it really, it really does, you know, when you just keep kind of committing mm. to the process of experimenting and reflecting and being honest with yourself and calling in help to be honest with yourself about what's working and what you know and what you don't know and what you should try next. Um, When you commit to that process and loosen your grip a little bit on the outcome you're hoping for, um, you're more likely to get to where you're supposed to be, even if that's not where you imagined you were headed, you know, like it is what's going to get you where you're supposed to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Angela, you're the you're the head of the conspiracy at MBS.works. Can you give us like a minute on the conspiracy? And then if people want to check out the conspiracy, where would they go to put their name down? Yeah, the conspiracy is it's an online community where folks who have learned the how to begin process, taken the how to begin course, can come together to work alongside each other on their own individual projects, but work in a community of practice of people who are trying to make real progress on their worthy goals. Um, so we have, uh, you, you get, you get paired with a group of, you get put in a small group of people to travel alongside each other. Um, we work a rhythm 
like a chapter rhythm where we have these focused periods of time where we're doing those experiments and those practices. And then we have a reflection period that kind of breaks up the chapters. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's a community of people kind of who are taking risks. And so we try to create a level of safety and trust and accountability and commitment, like a container in which we can take those risks and support other people in taking those risks as we mm-hmm. try to make progress on these ambitious, worthy goals. If you're interested, um, this is the easiest way to find out about the conspiracy is you go to mbs.works, which is the main website, scroll right down to the bottom. And there's actually a thing that says, hey, if you're interested in in kind of registering and wanting to be notified when we next open the doors on the conspiracy, there's a place to click to because the actual URL is just a bit long and messy. So I'm not going to tell you that. But that's for those of you who want the conspiracy. I hope if you're listening to this, you are thinking about buying the new book, How to Begin, Start Doing Something That Matters. It's a practical, fast, funny uh, tool to help you claim ambition for yourself and for the world, to find your worthy goal, to work on things that are thrilling, important, and daunting. If you want more information about the book, howtobegin.com. Ainsley Britton, thank you. Thank you, Michael. Hey, it's Michael here. Thank you for listening to one of the How to Begin episodes, part of the Two Pages with MBS podcast series. So you're either listening to it before or after January the 11th, which is the launch of the How to Begin book. How to Begin, Start Doing Something That Matters. If it's before January 11th, if you're happy and willing to make a pre-order of the book, I would certainly be grateful. The pre-ordering kind of really matters to authors. It's our chance to kind of get some notice of the book, to kind of get a bit of buzz going around it. Um, It's one of those great gifts that a reader can do is to pre-order a book for an author. You know, I wrote the book because a line came to me, which is, we unlock our greatness by working on the hard things. And when I think of my own personal growth and the difference I've made in the world and the impact I've had, it's when I've taken on something that feels thrilling and important and daunting. And I wanted to share and write about a process to to help others do that. So if you're looking to be more ambitious for yourself and for the world to kind of connect to that ambition, um, and if you're really wanting to rethink goals as a, as a liberating force, and if you just want to be the best version of yourself and do work that makes a difference, whether that's work at work or work, you know, just in life outside uh, your kind of a career, then I think this book might be for you. Um, You can find out more about the book at howtobegin.com. That will give you bonuses. That will give you uh, pre-launch extras if you're listening before January the 11th. Um, And it will just give you um, additional resources if you're coming to it after January 11th. Thanks for your support. You're awesome. You're doing great.